Blaze Radio Network. And now, Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. Once again, what we know isn't what we know. Experts re-examining prehistoric... Pleistocene. Era sites in Brazil have discovered that the 50,000-year-old stone tools found in excavations are not made by ancient humans, but made by the... Capuchin. Monkeys. So there you have it. Uh, Humans were not around 50,000 years ago, according to this. We heard that they were because of the tools. But the study shows that the tools from Pedra Firada and other nearby sites in Brazil were nothing more than the product of the Capuchin monkeys. And so they were breaking nuts and rocks some 50,000 years before the present time. So there's no difference between the the supposed human tools from 50,000 years ago and those produced by monkeys today. Huh. So the study claims that the monkeys select rocks from round rock quarries and use them as a hammer together with a larger flattened rock and an anvil to crack nuts. They also employ tools to dig and get food. Intriguingly, the monkeys also hit one rock with another and then lick the dust that is generated by the blows, possibly as a way to obtain minerals that are rare in their diet. Uh Uh-huh. As a result, uh, the rocks used often break, generating rock fragments that are very similar to those produced by humans when carving stone tools. Huh. So the finding also proposes that the American population would have been much older. Right. They were saying that we were 20 to 50,000 years ago but nope the homo sapiens arrived about 13 or 14,000 years ago crossing the Bering Strait and joining Asia and North America so like I said once again what we know isn't what we know you can quote me on that welcome welcome to Chewing the Fat So big news coming uh, on uh, FTX. Apparently, they've recovered over $5 billion worth of liquid assets, including cash, digital assets. Sweet. So I guess, you know, federal prosecutors announced plans to seize at least $500 million worth of FTX-connected assets as part of their ongoing prosecution of the FTX co-founder, Sam Bankman-Fried. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, you know, we'll see if anybody gets any of their money back. Uh, according to uh, John J. Ray, the new CEO, he attested that at least $8 billion of customer assets were unaccounted for. Oh, okay. We don't know what we did with it. Yeah, it's the worst case of control, corporate control you'd ever seen. Eh, whatever. But so now we've come up with, well, there's $5 billion laying over there. What are we going to do with that? <laughs> I don't know. We'll just see what happens. We'll see if anybody gets any of their money back. Uh, we'll, and, of course, the attorneys will all get their cut. Well, that's a good thing because that's what they're supposed to be. Uh-huh. 
Okay, we'll see. So I, I was also reading where, uh, you know, we talked about so many people doing commercials for them, and I don't know what they got paid to do those commercials. But uh, my favorite, one of my one of my favorites was the Tom Brady Giselle commercial for FTX. And I was wondering, you know, well, well maybe they'll just give that money back for what, if they were paid for doing the commercial. Well, apparently uh, they were like one of the biggest stakeholders in the company. Uh, Tom had a stake worth of about $45 million, and Giselle was in for about $25 million. So are they going to see a dime of that money back? Probably not, because I'm sure no one feels bad. Oh, a bunch of rich folks are losing a bunch of money. So let's, uh, let's see if anyone gets any money back from the $5 billion worth of liquid assets found. So anyway, they found a little bit of cash. We'll see what happens next. So what would you do if you, you know, say booked a room at the old travel lodge in Newcastle and you realize and you know, the Cobalt Business Park there in Newcastle where they have the travel lodge and you, uh, you know, were staying there for, I don't know, you had to stay overnight or you had to stay for the weekend at the travel lodge at the Cobalt Business Park in Newcastle. I don't know why. It doesn't matter why you were staying there, but you were there. And you see these 28 females uh, and males. The only pictures I've seen are females, but they're called porn stars uh, wandering around the old travel lodge, you know, taking pictures in the, in the elevators and on the stairways. Now, according to the story, it doesn't say that they were actually, you know, doing anything other than taking pictures in the elevators and in the hallways. Now, what they were doing in the rooms is another story. They were filming, and apparently they rented uh, four rooms and a family business room to take care of their business. And there's one picture here that has uh, seven of them on one bed. Oh, hell. So, apparently they booked a mansion that was close by the old travel lodge there in Newcastle with a pool and a hot tub. And I guess the owner didn't want to have them shooting porn at his house. So, he kicked them out. So, they went and rented a room. Rented these rooms. Multiple rooms. They say, 28 people at a hotel room. Okay, well, where they filmed X-rated scenes. Okay, well, the 28 porn stars that they call, that they're calling them... Uh, we're using the hotel rooms. That's what hotel rooms are for. <laughs> oh, they're not for filming. Okay. All right. You know, whatever. Is that right? So, uh, I know that they were posing, uh, in the hallways and on the elevators, but they weren't doing any, you know, filming other outside of the rooms. They booked four double rooms and, uh, a family room to conduct their business. So now, Travel Lodge is all wound up. Uh, they're, they're considering taking legal action against the clan for breaking their booking terms and conditions. What, would, what conditions and booking terms did they break? I'm not sure. Uh, people rent hotel rooms to take care of business all the time. <laughs> That's why people rent hotel rooms. We've all stayed in hotels when we're traveling I got it, okay. But we also have used hotels, and I say we in the general sense, have used hotels for business. And so I'm not really sure why the travel lodge is 
all wound up. But if you're, where are you going to, what are you going to do? If you want to make pornography movies, what are you going to do? <laughs> now you're telling me I can't even rent a hotel room and film? Come on now. Come on. I mean, I did the story this morning on uh, Mojo Five O with Brad. I do a segment on his show uh, every Thursday morning. And I talked about a police force in Laverne, Tennessee, which uh, is just, if, uh, if this is a map of Tennessee, Laverne is right there, just, uh, south southeast of uh, Nashville. And uh, so per- patrol officer Megan Hall, who's married, was fired last month for engaging in a sexual relationship with multiple men on the Laverne police force. Okay, so she performed oral sex and she's doing eight, with the entire police department. I mean, my my joke is, is it'd be a good time to go to Laverne, Tennessee uh, to commit a crime because they're low on police officers. They've uh, fired five. Three have been suspended. <laughs> so, I mean, they had girls going wild, hot tub parties. And it says in the story that she asked the officers to borrow money to book hotels. I wonder what they were doing at the hotel rooms. Is the hotel going to sue them for breaking their rules and terms of service? I think not, because they know that's what hotels are used for. For your little secret meetings together. (laughs) Not just families on vacation, because it's behind closed doors. Anyway, anyway. And she wasn't even messing with just the cops. She was messing with uh, some of the police officers' wives uh, at different parties. And apparently, uh, the hubby of her, uh, this Megan Hall, he was not—he uh, was not up for it in more ways than one. He was not up for it. He was not uh, aware, or at least wasn't uh, for the uh, menage a trois that were happening inside the police force and outside the police force. So times are tough in Laverne, Tennessee, with this entire police department sexual scandal. All right, let's go to the break room. I need something cold to drink desperately. So you remember Christina Hall? Uh, she was uh, the wife of Tariq Alamuzal for the show Flip or Flop. That's where she became a star, shot to fame for Flip or Flop. I don't know what she's doing now. But uh, she just posted a thing uh, not long ago about uh, having an under-eye filler reaction. Uh, super swollen, it wouldn't go down with time. See, that's the issue with Three Cuts the Clown Face today. There's all kinds of stuff that you can do that isn't really a cut but it does start getting you to clown face so apparently that was super swollen it wouldn't go down she posted one uh, picture of herself on one of her stories uh still trying to be relevant i'm sure uh and that she had the reaction it was swollen it wouldn't go down and she uh she said i know it's a scary photo i'm looking at the photo it really isn't that scary but i guess it is if you think that you you know it's really, really a bad thing. So, you know, I guess, uh, you know, her cheeks are looking rad, but deflated. And uh, she had the fillers excised. <laughs> so there's a picture of her uh, with this thing over her head. 
and I'm guessing it's an ultrasound frequency machine. And because she said that she took the ultrasound frequency treatments to remove all the filler. And she used this, uh, this stuff called, uh, hyaluronidase. What's, what's it called? Hyaluronidase. Yeah. Hyaluronidase that. Uh, so I guess that those are injections as well. And now I guess it's gone down and she's saying never again. Uh Uh-huh. We'll, we shall see. We shall see. It also goes on to talk about how she's now married to her third husband and she has uh, kids with all the first two husbands and she was fighting for custody with the second husband and she has, uh, uh, she's got some kind of deal with the first hubby that they're co-parenting and they're going to try to do the same thing with the second husband. So we'll see. I know he accused her of being an unsafe mother. Oh, really? Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) More concerned about uh, shooting TV shows and uh, putting filler in her face than her kids. Now, get out of here. I won't hear of it. I won't hear of it. Not Christina Hall. Hey, congratulations to Netflix. I guess they plan to stream the first live awards show uh, with the Screen Actors Guild Awards in February. Okay, so the Screen Actors Guild Awards are going to stream live, but not on Netflix. They're going to stream live on the Netflix YouTube channel. Uh, Okay. I I know that they uh, just announced the Screen Actors Guild nominations, uh, and it's going to be, you know, just the same as the Golden Globes. And uh, some there'll be some stuff that'll be a little bit different. But I know that, uh, you know, they, uh, Spielberg will be nominated. And so will the Dingleberry Show. The, um, yeah, you know, the one I talked about, the, the Banshees, the Banshees version. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody loves that stupid movie. And it was just, it was strange. It was strange. And for me, it was one of those movies. I told you that I started watching it late at night over the holidays. I was like, well, I got to get this in, uh, get the Banshees in. And it was supposed to be good. It was, you know, everybody was talking about it. So I got to watch it. And the last, I would say, I don't know, not the last half, but the last quarter of it, I kept pausing it going, how much is left? (laughs) How much more I got to go? How much more I got to go? Now, maybe it was because I was tired. And it was late. I had to go to bed, and I didn't want to. I didn't want to have to get up and finish it because I just wanted it over with. That's my review of uh, the stupid Banshee movie. <laughs> the uh, you know the stupid Banshee movie, the Banshees of Inishrin. Uh That's my re- that's my review of it. It was weird, strange. When is it over? probably not going to put that on the poster so anyway netflix signed uh on to live signed on to uh host the live event show and air it in a multi-year deal with the union that represents the actors so they're streaming it on their youtube channel huh that's that's interesting that's interesting so i wonder if uh they're going to put a link to the broadcast and their YouTube channel up on the main homepage of Netflix. 
That's, that's interesting. I'd be, I wish they'd call me. You know what? Netflix email me, chewing the fat at theblaze.com. And I'd like to talk to you a little bit about that. Plus, I want to talk to you about your little password sharing uh, issue that uh, you've got going on now. I know we've talked about this at length about Netflix coming after password sharing. And they claim again that they're going to start coming after password sharers uh, from family and friends. Uh, sometime this year is what they're finally claiming. I mean, it's been forever that they've been saying it, but now they're saying that this is official and they're going to start, uh, start coming after. Okay. Uh, according to this password sharing has gone on too long. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, the CEO said, uh, he doesn't think consumers are going to love it right out of the gate. You think Ted, <laughs> And it's going to be interesting to see how it's done, right? Because uh, password sharing, like I go out of town and my wife does uh, frequently and uses the password in different, you know, with different Wi-Fi. So, I mean, I don't know how, how they stop that unless they only make you use your account inside your specific area, your IP address or your specific area. So I think I was told that uh, YouTube TV does that. Um, my wife said that she went down to Austin where her grandkids live. And uh, she, you know, that's where we, I mean, we watch Netflix down there and, you know, Hulu and we have set shared accounts and whatever with the, the stupid with the stupid children and grandchildren. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so, but when she went down there and watched, wanted to watch YouTube TV, YouTube TV wouldn't let her log in down there because she was outside of the, you know, the home, outside of her main area or different IP address or, you know, however they, whatever area they specifically say we're able to watch it in, we're out of. Now, if I, she said that, uh, she, if she logged in, um, to YouTube TV on her phone before she left here and then went to, uh, Austin that she could, then it would come up. Uh, it would come up as a one-time sharing thing or whatever. And then obviously you can, you know, throw it to whatever, TV you want to throw it to from your phone. So, um, I, it's just really strange that, uh, these, these streaming companies, man, if I'm, and I know those are the rules in terms of service, Jeff, what are you talking about? Okay. I mean, they're talking about hundreds of millions of people who borrow pa- passwords and they're, they think they think that they're going to save money or make more money by not allowing that to happen. I got news for you. I don't think that's going to be true at all. I think it's going to really harm you because now you're coming after people that are your customers. They're already your customers. It's incredible. With our mobile devices, I should be able to watch a streaming company that I subscribe to any damn where I want. And that's just, you know, they're going to tell me that, oh, that's not part of the deal, Jeff. When you get it, they have to specifically say where you're going to be watching that streaming device from, or you're not going to be able to watch it outside of the thing. I don't know if you know this or not, but it's called the internet, the world wide web. Just, 
All right, I'm done. I'll stop. I'll stop. Hey, uh, congratulations uh, to uh, Bad Bunny, Frank Ocean, and uh, the K-pop group Blackpink. They're going to headline the 2023 Coachella Valley Music and Arts Festival, April 14th through the 16th and April 21st through the 23rd. So, I mean, Coachella is going to be top of the world right now. And we found out that Kendrick Lamar and Foo Fighters are among the headliners tapped for the 2023 Bonnaroo Music and Arts Festival in Manchester, Tennessee in the middle of June, June 15th through the 18th. So, man, oh, man. <laughs> if you if you have time, uh, you, can, you can do both of these. You can, you can hit Coachella and you can hit the Bonnaroo Music and Arts Festival. And so, man, you are seeing some acts there and partying and having a good time. And so be safe, be safe. So who died today? Who died today? Jeff Beck died at the age of 78. Jeff Beck, I loved so much of his work. Uh, the guy was just an amazing guitarist. Uh, you know, Jimmy Page once said he just keeps getting better and better, and he just leaves us here, mere with mere mortals. Uh, no question, uh, just a, a monster of a guitar player. I love the story about how he created the feedback. Uh, it was just, uh, you know, he said it was by accident. He said the PA was inadequate. So we cranked up the level and found out that the feedback would happen. So I started using it because it was controllable. <laughs> he said that uh, one guy told him after he played uh, at uh, some uh, some hall with the Yardbirds, uh, you know, that funny noise, that wasn't supposed to be there, but I'd keep that in if I were you. And so I said, that was deliberate, mate. Uh, go away. <laughs> <laughs> he talked about how he built his first guitar uh he said he built his first one in 1956 he said uh, elvis was out everything you heard was pop music was guitar i got fascinated i'm sure the same goes for lots of people of course it does uh we all heard guitars and thought hey let's make our own guitar he said that uh, the guy next door uh, where he lived in uh, South London, said that he would buy, build him a solid body guitar for five pounds. And he said back then, five pounds to me was like 500. So I went ahead and did it myself. Uh, the same goes for a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely, Jeff. Absolutely. Uh, just really incredible. He died from bacterial meningitis. Very sad. Um, and I loved his work so much. I've got... There's one album, I, I can't remember the name of the one album I have by him that I freaking love. Uh, but I don't know what Johnny Depp's going to do now. I mean, Depp's been on the road touring with him, so we'll see. I guess Depp was with him when uh, when he died. Uh, so, uh, very sad. It was pretty sudden as he contracted bacterial meningitis. Uh, it didn't say how they thought he got it or what happened. Uh, so, I don't know if it had anything to do with the vaccine but i don't know uh you sure you could go there go ahead you go ahead and go there uh if it's something other if they don't tell you the the kind the type of death the cause of death was unknown that's the vaccine and then if it's bacterial meningitis that's because of the vaccine okay all right all right so jeff beck dead at the age of 
78 years. Uh, who died today? Tatina Patriz. Tatina Patriz, you would know her if you saw her. She was a model, big time model in the 80s and 90s. And in fact, you can go back and watch uh, George Michael's uh, Freedom 90 music video. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's, I mean, they were all uh, Christy Turlington, uh, Naomi Campbell, Cindy Crawford, Tatiana. I mean, they were all in that video. And uh, so. Uh, very sad. She was 56. Now, according to the uh, model co-op agency uh, that confirmed by her New York agent that uh, sh- she had the cause of her death was illness. <laughs> okay, thank you. Thank you. It's very sad. Uh, you know, I don't want anybody to die of illness. But she did. And so I don't know if it had anything to do with the vaccine. But I just know that her New York agent said that uh, the cause of her death was illness. So Tatiana Patrice dead at the age of 56. Also, Stephen Grief. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Stephen Grief, the crown actor. And he's been in so much... I mean, this guy was in uh, just a huge amount of shows, especially in the United Kingdom. And he played a great villain. You'd know him if you saw him. Uh, he had a great career on stage and screen. And he was with the Royal Shakespeare Company. And he had nominations for a bunch of awards. And he's just, you know, just one of those guys that you see in, uh, in the UK shows. And you go, oh, yeah, that's him. And he is uh, dead at the age of 78, the same age as Mr. Beck, Jeff Beck, that is. And uh, he uh, died of, well, we don't know. They didn't give a cause of death. So this time, uh, we don't know if it was, uh, it was we don't, we're sure it wasn't meningitis. We don't know if it was illness or if it was because of the vaccine. But we just know that Stephen Grief is dead at the age of 78. Just a quick update on the FAA outage that we talked to you about yesterday a little bit uh, as all the planes were grounded for multiple hours uh, here in the United States. Uh, If you're listening live, that happened yesterday, the 11th of January, 2023. Today is the 12th of January, 2023. Uh, the FAA outage, apparently the officials are saying that it was a corrupt file that caused the grounding of the flights. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, okay. If that's what you say, sure, sure. That's what it was. It was a corrupt file. And so now they're saying, we talked about it yesterday, how this is going to affect more than one day. And it absolutely is. Uh, there's a second day of flight delays and trying to, you know, there's been disruptions and it's going to take a while for you to get back on your feet. So, you know, good luck. God bless. If you're listening to the show in the airport, uh, have fun and I hope you stay safe and you're able to, you know, able to get out and get to your destination as soon as possible. I see where a delayed Amtrak auto train took 37 hours after departure to get where it was supposed to be going. It had 563 passengers. Uh, and when it reached Florida, it was supposed to, it left uh, passengers traveling, uh, from Washington, DC 
uh, to Orlando. Supposed to get there by Tuesday morning. Uh, there, it was supposed to be a 17-hour journey. Uh, they had uh, a few delays. Uh, the train uh, rolled into the station in Sanford uh, Wednesday morning, uh, 37 hours. Uh, <laughs> the 333 vehicles on board had been delayed by almost 20 hours. So apparently the train, what screwed them up is that the train was detoured off its normal route due to a derailment of a CSX freight train which hit uh, something, hit a car on the tracks. No one was injured, according to CSX. And so, according to Amtrak, uh, they provided customers with meals, snack packs, and beverages. It said the onboard staff is working with pet owners to provide bathroom breaks. Really, because uh, what was happening on social media was talking about... uh, uh, the dogs haven't been allowed out to use the bathroom. The original delay was caused by a CSX train derailment. No update from Amtrak when the rescue may arrive because the crew isn't legally able to operate the train any longer. So they were waiting on a replacement crew. They didn't know how long it would take for the replacement crew to get there. Obviously, it took uh, took some time for the replacement crew to get there. Really strange that uh, they would not have that be available, right? So passengers on the plane, or on the train, were calling 911. (laughs) Saying they were being held hostage on the train. (laughs) Really, it's not funny. It's not funny at all. I'm not laughing, because these people, you know, thought that they were being held hostage but then uh we had uh audio of the conductor on the train or at least someone on the train who was uh speaking to the passengers once again for those of you that are calling the police we are not holding you hostage we are giving you all the information in which we have we are sorry about the inconvenience as soon as more information is available we will let you know shortly Thank you. <laughs> and apparently that same conductor was also uh, heard. We don't have the recording of that. Uh, telling people not to open their windows to smoke on the train. You bastards. Uh, you've been stuck on this train forever. How dare you? How dare you? Uh, you can't get off the train. How dare you think about opening a window and smoking? <laughs> We can't have that. No siree. Just a couple of uh, quick political stories. I try to stay away from them uh, as much as possible on this show. I know you get uh, you get a lot of political stories thrown at you. And politics is, uh, you know, kind of fun to talk about. Is it, Jeff? No, not really. It's a nightmare. But uh, I try to give, you know, try to break away from that for you on this show. So, I, you know, I hope that that I hope that works for you. Uh, you know, you can let me know at chewingthefat at theblaze.com. Uh, you can always email the show, chewingthefatattheblaze.com. You can follow me on Twitter, at JeffyJFR. Facebook and Instagram is Jeff Fisher Radio. But uh, some things happen, and you just want to, you have to talk about it a little bit. Like uh, the congressman uh, from South Carolina, uh, Mr. Wilson, uh, who submitted uh, a resolution 
which was uh, referred to the Committee on House Administration, uh, Mr. Wilson wants to direct the Fine Arts Board to obtain a bust of the President of Ukraine, Vladimir Zelensky, for display in the House of Representatives wing of the United States Capitol. Um, how about, uh, no, <laughs> uh, no, we're taking down statues in this country. We're not going to build the statues and we're taking down statues of Americans. Uh, we might, that I guess we're not happy with what these Americans did, uh, uh, uh as their time on the planet, but they're Americans. We're not going to start putting up statues of, you know, Vladimir Zelensky from Ukraine. Haven't we given them enough money? Now we're going to spend even more money for a bust of him so we can honor him in our Congress? No. No, thank you. Uh, No, thank you. And I will say that at least, and I'm sure she's not alone, but uh, at least uh, Representative uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene commented on the resolution, absolutely not. We serve America, not Ukraine. Aha! Uh, yeah, we'll see about that. Uh, I don't know how much money we've given them. So much money now. I mean, it's, it's embarrassing. Just billions and billions and billions of dollars uh, to Ukraine. And we're training uh, soldiers here in the U.S. We're training soldiers in NATO countries. I mean, we can only hope and pray that we are not going to put our soldiers on the ground in Ukraine to fight Russia. Oh, and uh, did I mention that uh, more classified documents were found in uh, our president's uh, Delaware garage? Huh. I know a batch of classified documents were found in the garage of one of Joe Biden's Delaware homes. Huh. So, hey, they're upfront about it, right? I mean, they're the ones that turned it in. Uh, They found the first batch of, uh, first batch of classified documents in his office at Penn State uh, when he wasn't uh, vice president or president. He was just a regular everyday citizen uh, trying to teach school. I'd like to know if he actually, I don't think he ever taught a class. Interesting. I'd like to go back and find out if that's actually true, if he ever did actually teach a class at Penn State. But even if he did, uh, he's not supposed to have classified documents. And the outrage that President Trump had classified documents, and now we're finding out that they all had them. It was just a matter of, uh, you know, we don't like Trump, and Trump bad, so we have to beat him up for it. And now it's coming to fruition that, oh yeah, you had them too. And uh, we also, we found that first batch, by the way, was found before the big election. And we just, well, you know, we didn't get around to letting people know. We wanted to. We just didn't, you know, we didn't get around to it. But uh, we're finding more now uh, <laughs> at different residences. So it's just, we live in amazing, amazing times. For instance, another example, the Environment Agency, which is the United Kingdom, Britain's version of EPA, uh, funded research that concluded that white male narrators on nature programs could make minorities feel excluded. Oh no. Oh no. The tendency for environmental documentaries to be voiced by white male voices was given as an example of how the environment and the sector could feel inaccessible to people from ethnic minorities. Wait, 
Okay, all right. The study focused on ethnic minority environmental professionals. I am such a fan of ethnic minority environmental professionals <laughs> in a challenging environment. See, I believe if you're good for the job, you're good for the job. I don't care about, you. Know, I don't care what color your skin is. I don't care what else you believe in. If you're trying to do a job, you should be able to do that job. That's it. So it's a 44-page long report. Uh, argued that racially white, financially middle-class people dominated the environment sector. They used the word white 43 times. That's great. That's great. So, uh, when you go out there, uh, you'll find people that are just happy, happy to be there, happy to see you. So, they interviewed uh, people 22 interviews, 251 survey responses, asking people, uh, let's see, working in the environment sector, if they felt excluded by company culture. Is the culture changing? Current management has inherited a diverse workforce, but are unfortunately not treating them equally. Really, I'd like to have examples of that. Grievances have been initiated. Management is old, male, and white. But that doesn't mean, just because they're old, male, and white, that they are not treating people equally. Another survey respondent recounted that their five-year-old nephew asked, why am I the only brown person here when she visited London? Uh, she's so used to operating in a multicultural space. I don't know. And what was your answer to your five-year-old nephew? Was it that because uh, oh, the management is old and white, that's why I'm the only brown person here. Or was it that, well, I'm the only brown person uh, that can do this job at this particular time at this place? Was that your answer? And that, you know, no, I'm sure it wasn't. I'm sure it was, it was all because of the old white people. Uh, management is old and white and they're holding us down. Ugh, drives me crazy. I just diversity is important. You know what? I'm just going to go out on a limb and tell you diversity is important. I mean, that's, this is the whole thing behind. Now this is England and this sounds an awful lot like America to me. No question about that. And I know that even in America, uh, you know, we're, we're forcing corporations to put, have more diverse boards, even if they're not up for the job, right? Uh, if they're up for the job, great. Go ahead, do the job, no problem. But their deal is now, here in America, we can't call people field workers, right? Or we can't go out in the field and work. Why do you suppose, uh, if you had to think about it for just a moment, why do you suppose that someone would be upset if you called them a field worker? Or would they be upset? Is it just a made-up thing from the USC Department of Social Work? I think that. I, my answer is that. That it's just a made-up thing from the University of Southern California School of Social Work uh, that's announcing they'll be removing the word field from its curriculum and practice, replacing it with the word practicum. So you're not a field worker anymore. You're a practicum. Are you just practicum or are you a practicum worker? I'm confused. So we'll just, uh, what, what do you do? Well, I work out in the practicum. <laughs> 
what's that? Uh, the field work. I just do field work. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Uh, field work, I guess, is anti-racist values. And, and we need to have... In, oh, no. I mean, practicum is part of the anti-racist values and inclusive language. Okay. So the change supports the anti-racist social work practice by replacing language that could be considered anti-black or anti-immigrant in favor of inclusive language. Language can be powerful. And phrases such as going into the field or field work may have connotations for descendants of slavery and immigrant workers that are not benign. Okay, so it may cause some people to have those connotations, which I doubt, by the way. I doubt very much, but if they say it, okay, fine, it may have that. So we have to change everything and turn everything upside down. So instead of working out in the field, you are practicum. And everyone will say, what the hell is that? And you'll have to say, well, remember when it was called field work? Uh, it's practicum now. <gasps> Did you just say field work? Oh my gosh. That may have brought up connotations of descendants of slavery and immigrant workers. I mean, it didn't, but it may have. Practicum. <laughs> Tonight's episode, Practicum. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.